Hey everybody, it's Shelly Hoffman and I am honored to have Jim Hogan here with me one more time. If you haven't heard, Jim has retired from the Greater Baldwinsville Ambulance Corps after 30 years, which is crazy. Um, so thank you, Jim, for being here. And uh, I want to ask you a couple questions about your career and give you some time to tell us some story. So how are you good. doing? Great. Good morning. Um, it's my pleasure to be here. Always great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. So, so you've had three weeks to think about your retirement. Are you sure this was something that you should have done? Are you regretting it at all? Um, I have mixed feelings because I really enjoyed the job. Um, it was more than a job. It was a passion, but it, it's time. Um, you know, I'm, I turned 64 in June. So not that I'm an old man, but, it, but, it, but I, I could tell it was time to pass the torch on in but, but again, I really enjoyed it. So I'm having a little bit, bit of separation anxiety, um, but it's, um, so it's it, the last three weeks, it kind of seems like I've been on a, like a long vacation. So it's time to go back, but, um, but I, it, it's the right thing. And then um, I'll just. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, you know, again, we're gonna miss you. I said this to you right before we got on the air um, and I wanna say it again, but, Obviously, this last year has probably been one of the toughest years for people, um, you know, emergency responders like yourself. And, you know, even if you thought at certain times in the last, you know, 2020, like, wow, I wish I were retired in 2019. I know the community and myself are so thankful to have somebody with your experience to kind of help guide us through um, the, co the, you know, um, COVID and 2020. So I want to thank you for not retiring at 62 and waiting until you were <laughs> going to be 64. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. And it, it was very challenging. And, um, you know, we've talked about it before and everybody has probably had their fill of COVID, but, um, but when you reflect back on it, it, it was, um, the most challenging thing that we've ever gone through because, when we go on calls prior, um, you know, you protect yourself and you make sure the scene is safe and the patient's safe. But this was, but you could always see if something was um, going to hurt somebody or something wasn't safe where, you know, the virus, you can't see it. You know, initially you had no idea, um, you know, who may be infected with it. And, you know, then the symptoms spread were like every symptom in the world was COVID. So, um, it, it was it was challenging and we all admit it was intimidating you know because you go into somebody's house and is, is this the time i'm going to catch covid yeah um and then you're thinking of the patient because of, you know um we, you know in baldwin so we we had a lot of covid patients and some of them were very sick and they they were scared so um it was it was challenging and then like everybody we did all kinds of stuff but make cleaning, you know, cleaning the, you know, we always clean the inside of the ambulance and after every patient, um, you know, the linen gets changed, but we were cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. And then one thing we, I went out and I did research, we bought um, this UVC light. It's a, it looks like a great big um, camping lantern. And then after the call, we would hang it in the back of the ambulance and it, it basically, it, it disinfects the back of the ambulance. Oh, yes. So that was a big help. Um, it was a four thousand dollar light, but um, but it that was a big asset. So um, it, it it was challenging. And GBC, we're proud to say this that GBC, our staff, we were the only EMS staff 
in Onondaga County that didn't have um, members or staff get infected with COVID. Oh, wow. Nice. So nice. Um, some of it probably was luck, but I think a lot of it was um, we just, the crews, the staff did a really good job of, um, you know, just protecting themselves and cleaning, like I just said. Yeah. So hopefully, well, hopefully that experience will be behind us. It, it never happened again, but, um, you know, like, again, everybody hears this, you know, got to get vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fireworks the other night, I did not get to go see them, but, you know, to cele celebrate the 75%, um, that was huge. So like you said, I mean, not that I couldn't talk to you about your guys' experience just for the past year all day, because I, I can only imagine what you went through. But let's go back to what actually made Jim Hogan decide to take this path to begin with. What was yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, that and um, actually, it's been over 40 years because I'm I'm originally from the Glens Falls area. Then I've lived in the Albany area. So um, I started as a volunteer and I um, a couple of my friends were doing this and it seemed interesting. And you kind of catch the bug for it. So um, I became an EMT and as a volunteer because I, I had a business career. But this was my my um, my other career. <laughs> And um, then I went to school in Albany. Um, after I went to college, I went to school in Albany to become a paramedic. And I just really got the bug, I guess you would say, the passion. Um, it's just very rewarding. Um, you know, it's challenging, but it's also, you get, I, I never had anything where you get the satisfaction of this type of job because you're going to a call and that person may be having the worst day of their life. And you're there to make a difference. So when you make a difference, um, it's very rewarding. It's a cool feeling to help people. So um, it's you get, like I said, you get the bug for it, meaning you get the passion. And then I, um, I've never stopped it. I just I did it for twenty, you know, twenty five years or so as a volunteer. And then in two thousand, not. Um, 2013, um, GBC was looking for a career director because basically, you know, we're a little business. Yeah. And I, I had the business background, so um, I um, I was winding down. I was in my late 50s. I was winding down from corporate America, and I said, "Well, you know, be, I really love this EMS stuff, and uh, maybe this would be a good transition for me." So I um, I got selected to be the the director and then eight and a half years later here we are the um it's funny you mentioned you get the bug for it because what flashed into my mind actually the first time i ever spoke with you there was a um he's a gentleman now but he was a kid when i met him his name is um joey who probably goes by joe now because we're in our 40s and he was um all he talked about was being emt and a paramedic and um as you're talking about getting this bug i think that um that was him the passion he had for it. And I remember, unfortunately, my brother had had an incident. And when the ambulance came and he opened the door, there was Joey sitting in there. Um, so I can I can almost feel, like you said, that passion, that that bug that you have for it. I think when it's what you're meant to do, you do feel that. So um, again, I'm glad you followed that, you know, that passion and stuck with it. Yeah, it's um, and I have too. It's not for everybody. Um, a lot of things you see on TV, you know, the normal EMS call is pretty, I guess you would call it mundane where it's somebody sick or somebody fell. It's not, 
you know, it's not the newsworthy sensational thing. So for, for people, we call it for people who are looking to do it for the lights and siren, um, they quickly find out that that's not what it's all about and they kind of fall away. But, um, but if you truly like to help people make a difference, um, it, it, like I said, it's, it's challenging, very challenging because when somebody calls 911, you're 911. <laughs> you can't call 911. <laughs> and then so um, you have to perform and, 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 and take care of the person. So there's a lot of a lot of critical thinking that needs to be done quickly. But but like I said, you, it's very rewarding. Yeah. Well, well, that's good. If you um, so I know you you covered why you came to the Greater Baldensville Ambulance Corp. And again, the business aspect of it, people probably don't see. But in order to afford that light that you had just talked about during COVID, it really is a business. You have to have a budget, right? You have to figure out where the money is. And I know in the past we talked about different um, um, buses that you had or ambulances, whatever you guys call them in your field, and and making sure that you can have the latest and greatest that could save somebody's life on the way, but you have to budget for that stuff, right? Right. And that's, and that's the challenging part, the business part of it. Um, cause our revenue source is basically, it comes from when we, when we transport, take care of a patient transport into the hospital, um, we build their insurance and that's a, a, an iffy proposition because if the person doesn't have insurance, then we don't get reimbursed. Um, and that happens quite a bit. Um, and then we're at the mercy of the, um, the insurance companies, you know, paying, you know, we have a, we have a set fee and a lot of times we don't get our fee or, you know, we have patients that have Medicaid and Medicare and those, those reimbursement fees aren't the greatest. So um, that's the challenge of, of making the, this business go is um, we, we can't control our revenue, like if you're in a normal business and you're in sales, you can go out and make calls, knock on doors, try to do advertising, you know, to, to, to create business where, um, our business is, um, it's, you don't want people to get hurt and sick, but if, if we don't get calls, um, there's no revenue, but we, we do get some revenue from, from donations. Like we do a big fund drive once a year. And the public has always been very supportive of us. Um, so we do, we do get donations, but that's probably about 10% of our budget. Wow. Yeah. So, um, well, the EMS side, you know, we're, we're not for profit organizations. So like all not for profit organizations, um, the finance part is always a struggle, you know, and, but we're, we're managing, you know, we're, we're a solid organization, but but the finances are a big, a big part of, a, you know, the challenge of, of making things go. Well, hopefully it continues. Um, whoever, and I apologize. I do not know the new director. Um, yes. but His name is Chris Cullen. Chris um, has been with us for eight years and he, um, he's, he's, he was one of my supervisors that, that reported to me and he's worked really hard and done a lot of in the past year, a lot of EMS management training. So, he, he's the new director, Chris Cullen, and he, he'll do a great job. Nice. I am. Um, well, I hope I get to meet him or maybe he'll want to talk to me every once in a while. You never, you never yeah. know. <laughs> but so you. let's, let's go back to the highlights of your career. I mean, if you, you look back over the 30, now you just told me it's closer to 40 years. What are some highlights that, um, 
you know, any any job, there's obviously moments that you remember more than others. Can you share some of those with us? Yeah, actually, I have one just really recently. Um, we're real fortunate where we live. Um, a lot of things, when you're not in this business, the public just kind of takes for granted. You call 911 and um, you're going to get the care and the hospital is going to take care of you. And you, and it's normal, but they people just kind of take that for granted. But I, I had a call about a month ago where this um, senior citizen gentleman was visiting um, his son who lives in Baldwinsville. They were, he came up to visit his son and try to make a long story short, but the senior citizen, he he passed out in the backyard a couple times and then they called 911 and we got there and the gentleman was alert, um, but we did advanced life support, hooked him up to our EKG and he was having a big heart attack. Oh. Um, and so we treat him with medicine and and we tra transport him to the hospital. And, and the, the rewarding part about this is, um, you know, we got him to upstate and the technology now is, um, you know, we, the paramedic contacts the doctor in the ER, we send them a strip, you know, EKG, and then we didn't even go to the ER. We went right up to the cath lab with the patient and then now they provide what um, the doctors up there in the cath lab do is called mechanical rescue where they're they're actually put the guy in this you know in the ct scan and they, they can see where the blockages so he, he had some major cardiac um, carotid arteries that were blocked and this gentleman um you know he was he was having the big heart attack the big one and so the doctor goes in and make it really layman's terms that it's a, what's called a mechanical rescue. It's like a, it's a little device, like a rotor rooter that, that goes in through the thigh into the veins and it actually goes in and um, cleans out, captures the clot and takes the clot out and unplugs the clot. And I was able to watch this and, and then the, and while this was going on, the man went into cardiac arrest and died. So the technology is amazing. Um, their team of people were resuscitating the man. And at the same time, the doctor was removing the clot. And then the doctor got the clot out and the, and the man um, came back to life. Wow. So um, it was just really impressive. And then the technology today is, is just great. And so um, three days later, this gentleman who was in his late seventies, he was home. So I, I, I stopped over to his son's house to see how his dad was doing. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize that he was home. So I stopped in and I, and I said, I would like to just check on, see how's your dad doing? Is he okay in the hospital? And then the son said, well, come on in the house. He's right here. So, um, and he gave me a big hug. And so that, that was really rewarding because, um, it had a positive outcome. And then, you know, the, the doctors in the hospital said that, you know, a few years ago, this person would have died. And then the other thing we're real fortunate in our area, um, it, it all depends on where you live. Like um, we have this care in Syracuse area, but there's a lot of other communities where they don't have this advanced care. So um, that was really rewarding because not only did the man have a positive outcome, but it, it shocked me that he was home already. And it, yeah. the incident happened on a Friday and the following Monday, the gentleman was home 
and he was walking around the house like nothing happened. That I mean, that is that is I, I gotta believe that the technology and the advances that you've seen over the course of your career have um like astounding, right? Um, it it really is, and things that now with what gets done when people are having strokes, how they can you know save people um, with having strokes. Where years ago, the person, depending on how severe the stroke was, they 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 either um, recovered on their own or they went to a nursing home. Yeah. So um, the technology is is really impressive. I would assume, sorry, I assume you, you, I apologize. I would assume you'd have to stay up on all the um, education, right? There's so much education involved in yeah. what you do. And that that's the challenging part. Um, so our transition, I, I'm my, my transition with um, volunteer to career service is kind of very similar to GBACs. You know, we, we all started as a volunteer and, you know, we, we did a great job, but as the tech, the technology um, improved. It kind of was a double-edged sword a little bit as, as technology advanced, as education advanced, as the paramedic level advanced. Um, the, the other side of it was very hard to keep up with that as, as a volunteer because um, it, it's, it's literally a full-time job, yeah. um, keeping up with everything. So um, that's the challenge part and, and we still have volunteers um it just it's just very challenging for somebody to do this now as a volunteer because of not only one to become like a paramedic but also the continue there's a continued education it's just it's constant because it's it's medicine we're we're practicing pre-hospital medicine yeah but that's you know that's a good thing for the community no, absolutely, absolutely. Is there um, so that was that was a recent highlight? If you go back towards the beginning of your career, and I'm asking you to think back thirty years or more, Jim, <laughs> can 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 you think of anything at the beginning of your career that really kept you going? Like maybe if you thought this was the the wrong field for me, something happened that just made you like confirmed it for you. Like this is where I need to be. This is where my passion is. This is where my love is. Yeah, probably going way back. Um, you know, we used to have a lot of serious bad car accidents years ago mm -hmm. because um, people didn't wear seat belts or there was no safety equipment in the cars. And uh, I think initially, um, you know, I was involved with some some rescues and saves where people, you know, extricating people out of bad car accidents that made it so that um, that kind of fed the passion of, wow, I, we really helped the person. You know, this this was a bad wreck, and um, you, you saw an outcome. And then I get, I think probably the first time I delivered a baby, that that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's intimidating, um, but you, you you know, there's an old saying: you have to you have to treat what you're training and not what your emotions, and treat what you're training and not what your emotions. Yeah. Um, and it can be challenging because. Um, that person is depending on you and you um you can't go into a fog <laughs> um but the first time i delivered a baby you know that was um you know probably like 40 years ago um that, wow. was, that was pretty cool was it in the ambulance or in the home or do you remember the situation yeah, it was um 
it was on their living room couch. <laughs> so, uh, which that's where it happened. Um, it, it was the lady, you know, I think it was like her fourth pregnancy. So those, you know, those, those labor, labors for the fourth pregnancy, um, sometimes aren't very long. <laughs> so, um, but, um, and I can remember, um, I almost got bit by their dog while doing <laughs> the baby, you know, cause, um, you know, things are happening, baby's coming out, I'm delivering the baby and all of a sudden the, their dog came in and saw me and literally like tried to, tried to attack me. Fortunately, the dad was there and he, he, um, he tackled the dog and grabbed a hole it and put it in the bedroom and shut the door But that. I'll never forget that because I'm there, like my catcher's mitt on, and all of a sudden I see this dog with a hair on the back of its neck. You know? Oh my god! And um, fortunately, the dad helped. That uh, is true. If you think of it from a dog standpoint, right? All he sees is you by his owner, who he's supposed to protect, um, and coming at you. But I'm envisioning like a Saturday Night Live skit in my head right now. Just, <laughs> just. Yeah. So you know. Yeah, that that's one I'll never forget because um, I thought I was gonna get bit, and then um, but the baby's literally the baby was coming out. Right, so, so you couldn't move. That, I like that story. That's that's a good one. <laughs> so obviously, we have stories that say, "Hey, this is the reason I'm doing this." Was there any points in your career where you thought, you know, maybe this isn't the right thing or burnout? You know, what I mean, that happens in any pretty much any career. Yeah. Is there any like you know moment that stands out with the opposite? You know where you're like i'm i'm kind of done um well fortunately when i was a volunteer i i did a really good job of um watching how many hours i volunteered because i i had a family and two kids and um you know a wife and a career so sometimes it um it the ems part because i was doing it for you know it was a it was a second job but it was a volunteer job so there was different times where wow um my real job is, is you know isn't allowing me to do this so i i had to back off so so fortunately i guess to answer the question i i did a decent job of realizing when i needed to back off a little bit and that that's what helped my career extend because unfortunately we um in ems there the volunteer part, um, like I just mentioned, especially now with the training, we lose an awful lot of people um, yeah. because they join with with intentions to, to help, but they um, they have a life, and um, the demands of this work. Um, it, it's hard to explain to somebody what what the demands are until you actually start doing it, and um, so we we lose a lot of people, and then we lose people also who are doing it for a career. Um, sometimes, you know, it's like any job they realize or career that, that maybe this really isn't what they thought it was gonna be or they really didn't wanna do it. Um, so you can, so I was able to control that. So I, I never got burnt out, but, but it's um, happens. It's a, well, and it's that work-life balance. And in your case, it's work, work and life. 
balance when you were doing because volunteer work people say oh you pick and choose when you go which is true but when you're all in sometimes you can get sucked into where it becomes almost like two full-time jobs your actual job that pays the bills to help support the family and then you know the volunteering that you do but you want to be there for your kids and your your wife or your spouse whomever and um, I think that's a struggle in a lot of careers but I can definitely see that with and when you have that passion and the bug you talked about with EMS yeah it's yeah. and then you have to really be careful of it because you can you know your family can suffer and you know that and that happens any like you just said anybody who does volunteer work um, you have to have, have to balance it and it's easier said than done well then there's that whole piece too jim of don't take your work home with you so again for a long time it was volunteer but how do you not take you know if you i guess if you could give advice to other people that are just starting out uh, how do you not take the not everything is that happy story like the gentleman who was having the heart attack and three days later was home right there's got to be things that you have seen that you know when you walk in your door to your wife and your kids you know, it's hard to leave that at the door right very very much so um Fortunately for me, my, my wife, my wife's a nurse practitioner. So the medical side of it, I was able to talk to her about things like that, uh, you know, things about, you know, bad calls or whatever. And um, so she, she always had an ear to listen. And then um, she would also tell me that's enough, Jim. I don't need to hear from <laughs> You know, we, we never, we never discuss patients' names and addresses, right. but, um, so for, fortunate for me, you know, my wife is a nurse practitioner. I could discuss things with her um, and, you, and it helped me to talk about it. And then we, we also try to talk about it at the ambulance corps too. Um, and that can be challenging because a lot of times people say, oh, I'm okay, I'm okay. You know, and, um, and maybe they're not. And, yeah. uh, and then um, healthcare workers sometimes do, do a lousy job of taking care of themselves. Yes. Um, so, um, you know, but it, it's like, like we all know, it's, it's good to talk about it, but um, you actually have to do, you have to talk about it. Right. You do. You can't, it's that balance of not letting it consume you, but talking through those emotions. And, and again, you know, people that are in business or teaching any profession that you have, you know, they always say, don't bring the problems home with you. But when you're talking about, um, you know, obviously I, I haven't talked to any doctors or nurses on this platform. You're, you're the um, first responder as far as medical, you know, obviously Mike Leffenchak will talk about police related things, but, um, but I would again, think that things that you've seen over the course of the years that were not, you know, the happy endings and stuff um, to not let it, let it consume you would be tough, but it, it can be, and um, it creeps up on you and, um, but fortunately, uh, you know, as a group, we do a pretty decent job of it. We could always do better. Um, different people are willing to talk and, and, and we have, you know, the county and the health department has resources. Um, it's just like, all, like we just talked about in all kinds of businesses is getting the person to acknowledge that maybe they do need to talk or, or right. talking would be good and actually doing it. Yeah. So, so let's um, let's go back. Was there other than your, you know, getting closer to 64? Um, was there any other roles that came into play as to, hey, this is time for me to retire? Like, did you have that set in your head? Like, this is when I'm retiring or? Yeah, yeah I, I had a Well, when I took the job eight and a half years ago, 
my goal was to, to do this until maybe like my mid sixties. And I, and, um, I report to um, a community board of directors. So I communicated that with the board. Um, and then the board knew I was retiring like over two years ago. Like I said, this is when I want to do it. And, um, so we did a nice job as a group of having a, like a transition plan. And, um, because it, it was just, it was just, like I said, it was time because I, I want to now transition into, um, happy, you know, not the, you know, just retirement things. And we want to <laughs> do some traveling and, and, and just, um, shift gears and pass the torch on to Chris. Um, but, but I, we had a plan and the, um, the board was very well aware of it. And so it worked out. Um, nice. Well, and like I said, um, I, I knew just from talking to you that 2020 and what a rough year it was didn't come into play with while you, why you were retiring. I knew, you know, that it had been kind of talked about, but, um, but I, I got to believe that going out after, you know, 20, 2020, that was a trying year for you. And again, as a community, we appreciate the fact that you didn't decide to retire in 2019 for whatever whatever reason. And I'm sure Chris, you know, watching your leadership through that, because again, we don't know if that's going to happen again. Um, and you guys seem to work together as a team. Um, so Chris got a lot of experience in that as he takes over the role of director. So if unfortunately something would happen, I think the community can feel safe that you guys would continue, even though you've retired, would continue to um, to meet the challenge of whatever comes or hopefully doesn't come. Right. right? Oh, no, thank you. Thank you. And that's a good point. We work on that already. Like, you know, we're getting ready. We want to be positive, but we're getting ready for next fall and winter. Um, like GBC, we now have quite a big stockpile of PPE. You know, the famous word, the letters PPE. Um, and we still have that big UVC light lantern and cleaning supplies and, um, because the flu is going to come again, yeah, uh, and 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 hopefully the the coronavirus, the, you know, the COVID um, will, you know, I always like to look at it as a positive thing, but 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 uh, we're we're ready, you know, we have the, the equipment and stuff, and um, and you just you just need to think that way, yeah. I um so I don't want to jump into too much of your time as retirement now though I hear once people retire they have a you know a lot of time to quote unquote kill I don't know if that's true or not but but I you had started talking to me about um the surprise that you had right there at the end of your career that um you know people had thrown you a party can you give us like how they set you up to actually surprise surprise you because that is hard to do yes um in my whole life I, I you know, you have a little surprises, but this this was probably the best one in my life. Um, they the the ambulance corps threw a, um, it was about a month ago on a Saturday um, a surprise retirement party at the ambulance corps, and they they did a great job. They really surprised me, and um, so they had to figure out like how did they surprise me? So I it was a Saturday, and I was home, and I got a call. Um, that I needed to come to the ambulance station immediately because that the um, they could not get the garage doors. There's four big overhead doors. They could not get them to go up, and there was calls, and the ambulances could not get out to answer the calls. So I said, "What? You know, how can they not get the doors up? You know?" And so 
and so I, you know, I, I, I was in the midst of doing some things at home. So I quickly was trying to finish it up. And then five minutes later, I get another call. Are you coming? You know, the, the there's 911 calls and we can't get the ambulances out. So I finally hurried down to the ambulance corps. I only live three miles away. So I got down there and I, they, I pulled into the front of the station to the parking lot and they had all four doors only a quarter of the way up. So it looked like they're broke. So I'm still shaking my head like, what the hell? So I get out and I walk up to the doors and all of a sudden all the doors go up and there's a big group of people there all yelling and clapping. And, and um, it, it was a cool surprise. Um, lot, you know, lots of people from, you know, past people, past members, all the current staff and volunteers, um, Bob Wicks was there from the town of Lysander. Joel Serencini, the prior supervisor, was there, and then uh, they they present they did a great big video presentation of pictures of me from beginning to the end. And um, um, Dick Clark, the mayor, uh, as as we all know from Baldwin, so he wasn't able to attend, but he he put together a really cool video um, thanking me for my service and. So um, that was that was really well done that Dick Clark did. That was cool. So and then they presented me with this. Um, oh wow! So I, as you, I'm a big SU fan, <laughs> so on there just um, congratulates me and thanks me for my 30 years of service. But there's um, these things here are um, authentic pieces of the Carrier Dome roof. Oh wow! So. Um, and this is a plaque that was they put together for me from Namie's. So that was pretty cool. And um, so I, I, that was very much appreciated. I didn't expect it, and it, and uh, it was a bit. It really was a surprise. So and, uh, <laughs> that that is an absolute awesome story. And they they kept it such a surprise that usually I'm pretty nubby about what's happening in our community, and I didn't know about it till way after. So. Um, I think that it just shows the um, how much you mean to everybody that they all kept it under wraps. So there was no way it was going to get get to you and to show you how much they appreciated your service. And I hear that around the community all the time, Jim, just, you know, what a wonderful man you are, person you are, how well the um, the ambulance corps runs because of you, because of the teamwork and the collaboration that you guys have and, and what you were able to do throughout the years, but especially, you know, in in 2020. And I didn't realize that no one in your department had um, had contacted or um, gotten the virus. And I think that alone is just an accomplishment because when we would talk, you would say you'd have conversations, say, be careful. It's not just what you do here. It's also what you choose to do in your life. And that means that those those people chose to really abide by safe practices outside of their work or their volunteering to keep our community safe. So I commend all of you for that. That's an amazing accomplishment, actually. Yeah, thank you very much. And uh, and again, it was it's a team a team effort. Um, you know, I I had the the honor and privilege of being the leader, but but you're only as good as your people. And I've been really fortunate to have really good people and very good support from the community, which is um, you don't that that doesn't happen. Like I've lived in other cities, and this is the best support from the community that I've ever seen in Baldwinsville. Baldwinsville, 
And then we got involved with, um, you know, during COVID, Baldwinsville, helping Baldwinsville. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We talked about before how a lot of the people helped, you know, make masks and face shields. And that was really impressive. That group, um, you know, it was really cool. It really was. Yeah, Yeah, it's the amount of people that stepped up and really helped. it just it brought ever i always thought we had a good community but that really showed um other people who maybe you know go to work from nine to five normally like down in the city other places and then they take their kids to activities or they go to the gym or they stay within their 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 walls um all of a sudden when everybody was home and staying within their walls i think uh, more people recognize what a great community that we have and you know again with with you and dick clark and bob wicks and um clyde over in van buren you know left and check we, we have great leaders great people so to your point you're only as good as your team but we have um a community just a whole team of people here in bevo and i think that's one of the reasons i love this community so much but yeah, i definitely agree it, it was it's and one word, it was really impressive. It was impressive. Yeah. yeah. So what are you going to do with your retirement? If there's one thing that was on your bucket list to do when you retired, you can share that with us before we part ways today. Uh, I want to do some traveling. Like my wife and I have planned, um, you know, just make time to travel, you know, the different various different places. So it's, um, it's not just one thing on my bucket list, but let's travel, do some travel. Where do you want to go? Um, I, I like to want to go out west, like, you know, to the, you know, to the different national parks out there, okay. like, you know, Grand Canyon, Yellowstone. Some of it sounds kind of corny, but. Um, <laughs> no, I love all that. So. <laughs> and honestly, when people do it, when they retire, they can take the time to enjoy it. I went to the Grand Canyon with my kids and we were there for um, a day. But by the time we took the bus from Vegas to the canyon, we did a helicopter ride. You know what I mean? It, it felt touristy. When you do it, when you retire, you can just take your time and, and enjoy it. So I think that's, you know, that's awesome. So, well, thank you, Jim. I'm sure I'll see, still see you around the community. You're not planning on leaving us here in Vivo anytime soon, are you? Well, actually, that was my last thing. I, we, <sighs> are, we are moving. Really? Um, yeah. Um, that's what I've been telling people. Um, we. I'm originally from the Glens Falls area, so um, my wife and I, we, um, we're moving up to a little area called Chestertown, New York. It's about, it's, it's north of the village of Lake George. It's, it's up in the Adirondack Park. It's a little hamlet called Chestertown. It's, it's about 70 miles like north of Albany, you know, 25 miles north of Lake Glens Falls. Yeah. So we're, um, we're in the process of doing all that. Um, we, I guess we're doing the classic thing. We're downsizing. <laughs> and, and so, um, but yeah, so, um, I, I will be, you know, uh, I still have, I have a son and his family that live in, you know, in Baldwinsville area. So I'll, I'll still be in touch and be here, but, but I physically, we are, we are moving about three hours away. So, <sighs> I, I saw that coming. I was hoping I was wrong, but <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, um, and this has been, this has been our adult home. You know, it's not, it hasn't been technically my hometown, but it has been, Baldwinsville has been my adult home. And so, um, and it's been a great home. 
Well, we will miss you and obviously wish you nothing but happiness and travels and um, and peace and calm. But uh, but I'll I'll be scoping you out if I see you in in the in the Bevo area if you come visit your son. And I won't make you go live on on my show anymore. But <laughs> I'll at least chat with you and catch up a little bit. Yeah, no, but thank you. As you um, like we said before, you've done a great job of um, you know keeping the people informed and communicating with all different little events and organizations. So um, it's been a pleasure, Shelly. I really appreciate you doing all this. Well, thank you. And I, and I love talking with you. So I right, well, everybody, if you um, would like to say congrats to Jim, be sure to message on this video or you've already seen him. Hopefully, um, you know, we wish you, we wish you well and would love to see you come back. And, but I want to say one more time, Jim, we appreciate what you and your entire team did. Um, for the, for all the years you've been in service, but especially this last year when it was a very stressful year for a lot of people and you guys were calm and you were there and you showed up and um, and did what you did to keep us safe. So thank you very much. But you're welcome. And again, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Sure. Take care, Jim. Bye.